Well, today we wanted just to keep on preaching. Amen. God bless you, Sister Ballester. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. That's embarrassing to have them say, get up and preach. There's, I just a testifier, okay? <laughs> but I want you to know, I'm just so in love with the Lord that I serve this morning. It's a great life when you live for Him. The secret is with all of your heart. It don't work. It don't work. And it won't stay. And it won't last unless it's with all of your heart. Hallelujah. That's the secret. I do worship the Lord and praise Him. And I appreciate the privilege God granted me to be here with brother and sister Haman. All the old precious, excuse me, all the precious. Precious saints of God, you're not old. I'm just there. But anyhow, I am so grateful for the privilege of being here. You know, the brother was, uh, and his wife, I believe, was singing uh, this beautiful song, Let Jesus Fix It For You. And I lifted my eyes and said, Jesus, you saw the desire that I had in my heart to come to this meeting. And when you're on Social Security, (laughs) you have a limited amount to play with. (laughs) And so um, I knew that it was out of my realm. But I said, Jesus, if you provide it, I shall know it's your will. Friday at noon, here comes a check for $400. And I said, Jesus, you want me to go? And I got so excited, I went and called the airlines. $700 one way. I said, thanks, but no thanks. And then I said, I'm going to drive. And my daughter said, not by yourself, Mama. And I said, no, the angels of the Lord go with me. I wouldn't have been afraid, not at all. If that was the only way, I would have driven. But Nyla said, call Amtrak. So I called Amtrak. And it was so nice. Here I am. I am so glad the Lord provided it. To to me, that was a miracle. You know, when you learn to lean on the Lord and trust Him for everything, it's sweet to see Him. (laughs) That's just a small thing for Him. (laughs) And that's just one of the little things He does for those that love Him. I do appreciate having, you can't know how much I thank God for having my children walk in truth. To me, that's the greatest joy I can enjoy now that my darling's gone. But you know, even when he was here, I said, that is still my greatest joy, that my children walk in truth. And then to have a um, son that is a minister like this man has a talent that is given only by God. And I I travel all over to hear him preach, I want you to know. And I love to get behind people like that, preachers like this. Uh, I asked my pastor for permission to go, and he said, well, sister, we're in revival. And I said, yes, I know. And But I said, uh, my heart is gone already. <laughs> and he said, the reason why I hate to have you leave me, he said, because you're my inspiration. And I said, well you got a lot of people that will just get behind you. And if you could just miss me for a little while, I'll be back. I, I love my church, and I love my pastor. 
And the message that he preaches, and I get behind him. I sit right down on the second row, and I want you to know I love to amen a preacher. And when he preaches the truth, I give it all I got to because it's coming to my heart, and I want to receive it. I'll tell you folks, we're in for a real outstanding move of God in this meeting today. If you want it, you can have it. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good to be here to feel the presence of the Lord. He's been good to me. I tell you what, I don't have much farther to go. I have traveled quite a few miles. Well, to be honest, I was born and raised in this. And so, um, oh, you're going to find out how old I am. I don't care. I've, I've been in this way 77 years. And it still is wonderful today as the day I received the Holy Ghost experience. I tell you, this is wonderful. Thank God for His mercies. Thank you for His love. You ought to be blessed. You're sitting in the house of truth this morning. Hallelujah. Love it. Enjoy it. And you'll keep it here. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Who would have thought 77? Isn't that amazing? And the Lord provided her the means of getting here to be a blessing to us this morning. And she is a blessing, isn't she? Amen. If the Lord moves on your heart to give her a 10 or 15 or $20 bill or whatever, while she's here, just give it to her. We're not going to take the time to take up an offering for her, but you just feel free to bless this lady. She's certainly worthy of anything that you might feel like just handing to her. And you certainly have my blessing on that. Amen. Now, Ahab the Arab. I'll never forget, how could I forget, the Sunday morning, Elder and Sister Ballestero walked into our sanctuary. We were in the little chapel over here. They were commuting making trips back and forth from South Bend, Indiana to uh, Salt Lake City. They were starting a church in Salt Lake City. I'm talking about Elder, Brother Marty's father. And uh, they walked into our Sunday service, and there I was teaching. I'll never forget what I was teaching on. But suddenly I didn't even know what to say. Here was Elder Carl Ballestero sitting in my congregation and me already in the process of teaching my Bible class and I suddenly felt like a little child and I couldn't even hardly pull my thoughts together because I had such a great Bible scholar sitting in my congregation. Never forget that. It was such a trauma to me that I remember what I was teaching that day. I've never tried to teach it again because I felt like I really didn't understand my subject. <laughs> but this is the esteem we hold for the Ballesteros, for the Ballestero family who have carried this glorious gospel message from generation to generation. And it's our pleasure today to have Brother Marty Ballestero take this pulpit. He'll be preaching again in the evening service again during this week. We have him on schedule. And I know that every time you hear him, you're going to be blessed. And how many of you already know that? Amen. So without further delay, we're going to ask him to come and take his liberty, preach the word of the Lord. God bless you, Brother Ballester. 
He is now Evangelist Ballestero. Last time he was here, he was a pastor. Now he's a full-time evangelist. We're looking forward to getting him come just preach a full revival for us. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Heyman. Praise the Lord, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Aren't you glad for that name of Jesus? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. I would like to give honor to Bishop Heyman and his wife, Pastor Heyman and wife and all the precious Heyman daughters and ugly son-in-laws and the beautiful grandchildren. And I'm teasing. I think they're all a very beautiful and precious family, and it's just an honor and treat to be here. I am blessed to have my wife here with me today, and it's a special treat for me to have uh, her hold my hand through these times. You would think after doing this full time since 1963 that you would get past jitters and nervousness a little bit. Uh, I still have to psych myself and get up and try to act like I'm home. The only problem is now I don't know where home is anymore, but <laughs> today this is going to have to be home. This will just have to do here. But I'm glad to have Sister Honey with me. And uh, I have brought my own amen section today. And whether I would love to have some of you say amen today while I'm preaching, but in case you don't, I've got a backup right over here. And uh, it's just a real treat to see my mother here. I want to honor her for the godly heritage which she has given to me and uh, for raising me in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord and placing within my heart a love for God's house. I don't know, I'm not going to say I never said is there church again tonight, but I, I never had that, that sense within me that dreaded going to church. She always made it seem like we can't wait till we get there kind of thing. And uh, I find myself, uh, when I'm out and about, going through withdrawal about Wednesday night or something. I feel like I need to be in the house of God somewhere, or Tuesday or Thursday, whatever it is. And I, I honor my mother who raised me. Even when, uh, when I, mean, I was in high school and got a little busy, couldn't uh, have time to read verses of Scripture, chapters before going to school, or take time to really pray. Well, I was sitting there at the breakfast counter eating. My mother said, if you can't read it, then I'm going to read it to you. And so she would read it to me while I'm eating my Fruit Loops or whatever I was putting in there. And uh, we didn't care if the bus was going to be late or early or what. We did have a chance to kneel down and pray. And Mama prayed over us as we went out the door. And sometimes we're still praying when we went out the door that God would keep us during that day. You never forget about those kinds of things. I honor her in the Holy Ghost. And her and my wife have joined forces, and they're, they're praying all the time for me. And so if I turn out to be a failure, it's not their fault. They're really doing their best, okay? I thank the Lord for the wonderful worship 
we heard this morning for the beautiful songs, Brother Spell, you outdid yourself today. Brother and Sister Thomas and, and Sister Rebecca, just beautiful. If I could sing like y'all sung, I'd write my own request. Just, I, I would. Just glad that they're here. We're expecting to have a good time in the Holy Ghost this week, aren't we? Praise God. I would like to direct your attention this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Why don't you stand with me? This may be your last time to stand for several hours. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. When you found it, say, Praise the Lord. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Heavenly Father, I invite your blessing upon the ministering of the word this morning. Don't know why you've laid this on my heart, but I felt like crying all day. I feel the weight of what you have given me today. I don't know who's here that needs this message today, but you know. I don't know what your design is for this service, but you know that too. And I pray, God, that you'll anoint my mind, my lips, my heart. Anoint our ears to the hearing of the word. Speak to our hearts. Have your way in this service today. I ask for an outpouring of conviction to be in this service. Meet with us at an old-fashioned altar. Fill souls with the Holy Ghost today. Restore a home. Whatever needs to be done in this service, would you minister to the needs of our hearts today? We'll thank you for it. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I pastored in South Bend for 26 years, was an associate pastor for two years, pastored in Oklahoma City for two years. So having been in pastoral ministry for 30 years and having evangelized six years full time, I know a little bit about human nature and I know a little bit about having known folks a long time. And when you know people a long time, you learn a lot about their lives. Sometimes you even learn more than you want to know. And uh, I, I never made a habit as a pastor of just telling somebody that came to preach for me, <clears throat> we've got this problem and this problem and this problem and that problem, and if you kind of focus in on that, you could really help us here. I never did that. I just, when a man got up to preach, I just wanted him to stand up and preach. Your, the, the pastoral leadership in this church hasn't put anything in my ear or my heart to preach. This is just something I felt impressed before I ever left home to, to preach here. So if what I say is mail in your mailbox, then don't look at anybody else. This is just me talking to you, all right? I hope it's the Lord talking to you today. 
But I'm approaching you today as a friend of this church. I don't have anything cruel or vicious or malicious to say. I'm only interested in the mercies of God being available for you and for me. I don't mind telling you that I'm here today as a product of the mercies of God. I don't know where you come from, and I don't know what road you walk down, but I'm fortunate to be able to stand in this pulpit. I might have been born in a home that had the that had the touch of God upon it and had the best mom and daddy a boy could ever want for, but I still had to get something for myself. You still have to find this for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You, you got to get a revelation for yourself. You got to feel the need yourself. I'm glad that day happened for me. I would like to preach to you this morning on this subject, the mercy connection. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You don't live very long without somebody hurting you, without somebody offending you. You don't live very long without hurting or offending somebody else, even accidentally. And might I preface some of my remarks today by saying that whether it actually happened or it just was imagined in somebody else's mind, if, it's, if it was real to them, it was real to them. It may not have been in real, real as far as you're concerned, it may have never happened, it may have never been said like that, but that injury was real to that person and so they took offense. I don't plan to get bogged down here on some things. I, I want to just move along, but I, I, have a, I want you to hear my heartbeat today. I, I want you to feel what, what I'm feeling in my heart. I would tell you that I, I had a, a little sister that, that died when she was 17. Beverly Ann was her name. And Beverly uh, never got to go to school past the fourth grade. They buried her the day that I graduated from high school. She was 14 months younger than myself. And uh, I don't recall getting into many arguments or fusses or fights. Actually, I don't recall any. I just felt more like a protector of my little sister because I, at an early age I knew something was wrong with her, that she was a sickly child. Now, that didn't stop me from fussing with my sister Carlene, but with my sister Beverly, I, I, I didn't do it. But Beverly had a little song she made up, and it was one of those loop songs. There was just no end to it. And we'd be going down the road, and her little seven- or eight-year-old boy, she'd be singing, If you be nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. If you be nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. If you be nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. If you be nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. And we kind of, you know, got the point after a while. But that really is what it's all about. When we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, it makes the whole world a lot easier to live in, doesn't it? Praise God. Now, my scripture says again, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I... I had a father who put in my heart the importance 
of not dying bitter. He would say, son, life is too short to die bitter. All bitterness ever does, ladies and gentlemen, is just look behind. Fear looks around at the circumstances. Only faith looks forward. You can spend your life just looking backwards at bitterness and all your injuries and all the stuff that happened to you. I have seen people get upset with me about things that I never said, I never did, I wasn't there, and yet for some reason I got caught in the crossfire. And because I saw there was an injury, I even wrote letters. I even tried to make phone calls, and my overtures were not received. That doesn't feel very good. It, 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 you, you hurt. You feel, you, you feel uh, desperate when there is a problem like this. C come here, young man, would you please? Come up here on the platform. Makes it, make it easier for me today. You know, we can make our, ourselves just filled with a lot of junk. I, I wish I had a basket for you or a sack of some kind. And I wish, I want you to imagine that, that this is something, if I had some apples or if I had some potatoes or something, I'd give you a felt tip marker and I'd have you write the name of everybody. Put a name on here of people that have been mad at you or that you've made mad at you. Uh, and that there's been injury, upset, carry grudges about, have problems with. And here, hold your hands out. Bill's on that one. Sue's. Sue's on that. Loretta. David. Got a problem with this one here. That's Bill. He'll always be a problem. <laughs> Sam. Larry. Got a noisy one here that aggravates a fire out of you. That's Rachel. <sighs> Beth, you know her. <clears throat> you got this problem of all these people, people that you won't forgive, people that you have problems with. You carry that with you when you get in the car. You carry that bag when you go to the store, when you go to school, when you go to church. You, you know... <clears throat> You're carrying it with you. You're the one that's being punished because you're carrying that mess with you. They're living their lives. They're smiling. They're happier. And the happier they get, the, the matter you're fuming because you're carrying all this stuff with their name written on it. And they're going on living their life, enjoying it, and you're, you're, you're having a problem. You just can't get past what you're dealing with. And, but you go to bed with it. It lays right there in bed. You makes all kinds of noise. You can't be quiet. You know how Rachel is. It's just you can't be quiet. It's always making noise there. Well, you find out that you carry that mess for as long as you want to carry it. But after a while, you're going to have to ask yourself a question. How long will I let this war go on? Come on now. I was invited to preach at a church not too far from where I pastored. And I walked in there and I saw 21 family, ex-family members from my church sitting in the audience. Do you think that feels good? No, it doesn't feel good. What did you preach, Brother Ballastero? <laughs> you bunch of reprobates and devils, you've had this coming along. No, sir, I didn't. I just got up and preached on the loveliness of Christ. He's altogether lovely. What do you, what do you got to do? You got to push some stuff behind you. This is not your battle to fight. This is not your kind of junk that God meant for you to carry around. There's got to be someday you've got to get up the Lord fix it, Brother Thomas. 
You've got to let God take care of some of your problems. Hallelujah. You've got to bring some things and cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. The book said, don't you expect God's forgiveness until you forgive all these people over here. You can carry this with you to your grave, but all you're doing is damning yourself. All you're doing is bringing your own life, your own hope, heartache, and misery, and pain. It's time you let some of those things go. It's not all that stuff. And a man that I know went to my church, contracted cancer. This may seem far-fetched to you. It wasn't a, a homeopath type doctor, but he was a regular MD. And he said to this man, the cancer you have, I'm not going to say this caused it, but I'm going to tell you what keeps this kind of cancer at a high level uh, of activity. He said there's been some kind of bitterness in your life that you need to get out of your system. It's keeping you tore up and keeping you filled with revenge and hate. He said, if you've got something you need to go fix with somebody, you go fix it and your chances of survival are going to be better. The doctor who don't even have the Holy Ghost told him that. Didn't even know that the man had problems down in here. But that cancer got to working on him till it killed him. I'm trying to tell you there is a mercy connection. When you tell God, I'm willing to open up my heart and I'm willing to open up my soul and I'm trying to let this trash get out of my world because I want your mercy. I want your forgiveness. I want your touch on my soul. I'm telling you, God's going to do it for you. Somebody praise the Lord here today. Blessed, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, for they shall. If you're a southerner in the margin of your Bible, it says, show enough. You, for they shall receive mercy. You're going to get mercy. Don't you, we want mercy coming our way, but we don't want to extend it. We better learn what it's like to have the gift of mercy in our life. To be have a forgiving spirit. We can hold little things on our shoulders and dare people to knock it off. Drive and rush our traffic. Somebody cut you off. You're afraid they're going to wave a gun at you. Got quiet here. I must be in Denver. I drive in Chicago. I know what it's like to be a little bit rush hour traffic. Don't like it. Man, you, you, you drive aggressive when you get there. And they tell you, you know what they think about you quite often. And you're afraid to wave back, you know what I mean? You're afraid to scratch your ear or anything. You just, just drive. Just both hands on the steering wheel drive. But we live with a high level of anger in our lives as citizens here. But there needs to be something that happens to us where the Holy Ghost comes into our lives and washes our souls and a new nature gets a hold of us. Where when we are done wrong by other people, we don't have the desire to go out and fight against them, but we say, God, I've got something else I need to lay on the altar here. I've got somebody else's name I'm going to... I refuse to carry this load around any longer. I refuse to carry this mess. I can't shop with all this. 
I can't get up and have a good worship service and shout and praise God with all this junk going on. At some point or another, I've got to lay it aside and say it's time for me to have church. I've come to get deliverance. I've come to get victory from this. I've come to be set free from this thing that's held me down. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you haven't obtained mercy, then there's a reason. I heard your air brakes go on right then. There's a reason. Because if you... Hey. Bible talks about, therefore, come boldly for the throne of grace. We can find mercy. We can find grace to help in time of need. Now... You got to singing about mercy. You got to singing about the grace of God today. I've just, uh, I I don't know, it's just been working on me. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself here. I I don't know. If I am, then you all just sit and listen to me while I preach to myself and try to save myself this morning. I'm human just like you are. And I had to learn a long time ago, there's some mess that's just too expensive for me to carry. If other folks want to fight me, they're just going to have to fight me because I'm not interested in fighting back. I'm trying to get my this gizzard saved. I'm trying to keep my soul right. I'm trying to keep my spirit right. I know how I live. God knows how I live. Other people might have their own opinion of, of who I am and what I am, but at some point of you've got to make up your mind, God, I know what's going on in here. I know how I've been living. I know how I've been talking. I know how I feel. I know what your touch feels like on me, and I refuse to die an old bitter man. I'm not going to call names, but I could call a name today of a man. You had somebody stand right over here today and pray. Raise your hand. Who who were you? Everybody look at this man over. Stood right here. He called him just like that. Just boom, right out of the clear blue. Pray. I know a man who was, I think, in his early 20s or in his 20s when he was called to dismiss in prayer one time in church. And he got his tang all tangled up when he was trying to say his words. You, 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 you know how it goes. It's kind of dyslexic. I'm, I'm really kind of that way myself. And somebody who was a young preacher in the church kind of snickered at the comedy and the humor of what came out. But the man that was praying, it was a very serious thing. He was not, he was not in any frame of mind to see any comic relief in what was being... He couldn't laugh at himself. And rather than laugh at himself and received and see the humor and receive the comedy of it all, and he got offended and got hurt because that man who he respected laughed at him. That man walked out of church, and if I got my ears right, never, never came back to church, stayed backslid for 54 years. I don't know what your level of victory is, and I don't know what it'll take to jerk the rug out from underneath you. But the devil will just use a small thing. And you stay home one day, and once you stay home one day, it's easier to stay home the second day. Yes, it is. And once you stay home the second day, well, the third day, just a little. You don't really mean to backslide forever, but it just kind of, one thing stacks on top of another, and the devil starts selling you insurance policies where, where he just makes sure that you don't go back, where he makes sure you don't get right with God, where he makes sure that something else is compounded, where you get more angry at the person who injured you. I'm happy to tell you that that man came back to church 
prayed back through. He's in his 80s today testifying, playing on the platform, playing music. He's testifying and crying, reading his Bible four or five times through a year. He works a full-time job just to have money to give to missionaries. I cry when I look at that man. But it, it's a shame what the devil does to people, ladies and gentlemen. If he'll do it to one, he'll do it to you. You are not exempt. You, you're human enough. You are carnal enough to be able to fall in the same snares and traps. Just a word while I'm on the subject. Just because you might have left it yourself and you might have been able to handle a joke doesn't mean everybody else can. So it would do you well to be kind what you say to other people. I don't mean to be pastoring here today. I'm just... Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. I've got three or four verses of Scripture I'm trying to read before I move on here today. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, even as, that means you do it just like God did it, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, you have been forgiven because of Calvary. And it said, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. But I, I don't want to be tender-hearted. I, I want you to see this lady over here in the white, this in the third row that's crying. At one time, that was one of the meanest ladies in Pentecost. Because she demanded that when... I or my sisters had a problem with each other that we, we would make up. And this is how she wanted us to make up. You go hug their neck, you kiss them, you tell them you're sorry, and you smile and show your teeth. Now, friend, that's a lot of stuff. I wandered up a piece of paper one time and threw it at my sister. I was, I don't know, four or so. I don't know how old I was. Maybe a little older, but not much. And my mother tried to correct me. And I told me to pick that up and go apologize to my sister and hug her and kiss her, tell her you're sorry, and smile and show your teeth kind of And I said no. So she swatted me several times, and I still said no. She did it some more, and I still said no. She went to get the belt. She spanked me, and I still said no. And my dear old kind-hearted grandma over there at the stove making them nice pies on the old wood cook stove, she said, now, Connie, my mama started crying. She said, now, don't stop. Don't let that boy get away. You've got to break that will. What was grandma trying to do? She was trying to be mean to a precious little grandson. No, she was trying to save my sorry hide, which she was trying to do. My mother was trying to save my sorry hide. And let me... Let me tell you one thing. If you don't get a hold of yourself, you'll injure people and do things that you'll be, you refuse to say, I'm sorry. Well, I and you have your reasons for not saying, I'm sorry. But I'm telling you, you better learn at an early age that if you want to get right with God, that you're going to have to be tenderhearted. You're going to have to be kindly affectionate one towards another, considerate and loving towards even your brothers and sisters, even your mother-in-law. I saw a couple of heads duck right about that time. Get them heads back up there. I'm talking to you, you quail head. My mother-in-law is going to be here. I, I, I tell you, 
She told me, she said, Now, son, you're marrying our daughter. This is our first daughter. If you have a problem with her, you don't go telling your, your mama and your sisters about our girl. All that's going to make them do is feel bad towards our daughter. We don't want that to happen. So you got a problem with her, so you come and tell us. We know how to fix her. And she looked at my wife and she said, Now, Marcy, if you've got a problem with him, don't come home telling us all about how bad he is and telling your sisters. See, you go tell his mom and dad so they can fix him too. And she did call you too. <laughs> I think she called him twice. Probably should have called him a whole lot more. I'm just trying to be honest with you here today, folks. And tell you that in everyday life, there's areas where we all need to realize, I need to be merciful, I need to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I have to forgive according to the Scripture, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I have to forgive you just like Jesus forgave me. I tell you what, I can forgive, but I just can't forget. Go ahead, carry that mess around. Help yourself. See how little you worship. See how good your prayer life is. See how effective a soul winner you are. Huh? See how many roll aids you got to take before you go to bed at night. Come on now. Look at all the mess you got happening in your life. Why don't you just take this mess up to the Lord? Lay it on the altar. Get rid of that. Go to your family. Go to your friends. Go to your neighbor, your brother, your sister, husband, your wife, and fix your problems. And get your mess all straightened up. And you'll be surprised the difference it'll make in your life. I decided one time to have a marriage seminar in our church. So I had this man I imported. He came in and he taught for three days. You know, this is going to be fine. Husbands and wives and dating, you know, and flowers and things. Didn't say a word about it. He got up and for three days, he, and three nights, he taught about bitterness. I said, bitterness? Where in the cornbread world is this coming from? And he got him a blackboard. And he diagrammed. He pastored the church that my dad used to pastor in one state. And he, he put down, him and I had talked prior to this, so I knew who he was writing down. But he put down this one man's name who had bitterness had a problem, an unforgiving spirit. Something happened to him, got, had an injury in his life. One of them even involved the pastor. One of them even involved my father. Wrote all that down. He, he put down his children, his children's children, and his children's children's children. He wrote down how many problems that there were with divorce, how many illegitimate affairs, adultery, fornication, babies out of wedlock, he showed all, all these were bitter people that had problems with bitterness. And he showed all the mess that happened in this one family tree. And it all started out with bitterness. Once the devil gets something working down in your life, you are a picnic for him. He can let all other kinds of mess go on. And all other kinds of devil might happen in your life. You're going to find injury on every street corner, and you can even find injury in the church. This side won't talk to folks on that side, and folks in the back won't talk to folks in the front. There are some things you better get over, and some things you need to put under the blood, and some next you probably better hug and say, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, sister. I'm, I, I was wrong. Forgive me. I want the Holy Ghost to wash my spirit. You would make a whole lot better friend than you would an enemy. Why don't we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise?
Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In other words, you forgive just like you've been forgiven. Look at the word forbearing. That basically just means tolerating. Well, I tell you, I just have a hard time putting up with him. The book said, put up with him. Yeah, but if you, if you only knew how aggravating, irritating. Oh, I can Oh, here they come. Oh, God. I'll, I'll go, but if I have to ride in the same car with I ain't going. Listen, there are some things you need to look at in your life. It said forbearing, tolerating. I just read you about being kind-hearted, tender-hearted. Be ye kind one to another. We've got little snippy things we like to say to somebody. Well, I told them. I gave them a piece of my mind. I, I don't have the liberty to tell you this. But as a friend, uh, but as a friend let me just tell you. you we, we don't have the liberty to give other people the piece of our mind. Because there are some folks we'd like to see go to hell. Uh, and we tell them. Some of y'all carry little directions with you. Pass them out like songbooks. Here, go there. That is the Holy Ghost. I've lost some of y'all on that, but that, that ain't the Holy Ghost. And I've seen pretty little faces, all Pentecostal hairdos and long skirts, but you can still have that on your shoulder. And you can have injuries. There's a man, when I was 16 years old, he was in the church, and as long as I was pastor there, long, from 19, oh Jesus, for 28 years when I was there in South Bend, he wouldn't come to church because, well, I remember you when you were 16. Well, I remember you too. Maybe I don't want to pastor you. I never did tell him that, but that's, you know, that's what I could have said to him. We can remember all kinds of mess and get all kinds of stuff happening in here, and we are nothing more than a work of the enemy. The devil actually puts that spirit in the church, I think, just try to hinder revival. And trust me, folks, that will hinder revival. I am here to tell you that mercy brings forgiveness. Mercy, I'm talking about the mercy connection. Mercy, I will show you where mercy brings deliverance. I want to show you where mercy will bring healing. I want to show you where mercy will bring salvation for you. If, you. if you are merciful, I want you to know that forgiveness is yours, deliverance is yours, healing is yours, salvation is yours. But if you're not forgiving, you're not merciful, you've just cut yourself off. You've cut off your nose despite your face. I stood in an office in the state of Indiana. Two men were talking. And one man stuck his hand out and said, Brother so-and-so, would you forgive me? The other man said, I ain't shaking your hand. I can't forgive you. I was just a young preacher, and I felt something cold go through me. If that book means what it says, sir, regardless, hey, oh, if that book means what it says, you have to forgive. If someone comes up to you and apologizes, by the Word of God, you have to say, I forgive you. I will show you where you will damn your soul to an eternal hell if you don't say, I forgive you. It was said of Job when he prayed for his friends. 
And brother, that is being kind about it because they criticized him and found fault and put him in purgatory for for 30-some chapters. And when he said when he prayed for his friends, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Bartimaeus sitting there beside the road. I'm, I'm telling you, deliverance happened when Job was merciful. Deliverance may happen for some of you all when you get merciful. Find yourself on an altar praying for the folks who have been ugly to you. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That word mercy stopped Jesus dead in his tracks. If there's anything that will get the work done for you in your life, it's this thing called mercy. And we want God's mercy. I'll just tell you right now, we all need God's mercy. And as, as dependent as we are and as needy as we are for the mercies of God, it would behoove everybody here to be merciful one to another. I, I want to get back to one real quick here to my thing about husbands and wives. With this story I was telling you, this brother talked for three days about bitterness. And the husband, the wives, they get to talking when they're young. And I, I just want to tell you right now, you, you young couples... Middle-aged couples, any kind of couple. Never tell your husband, never tell your wife, I don't love you, I hate you, I hate your family, I'm sorry I married you. That's not how you... When you have differences of opinion, you disagree or have a little argument of some kind, don't bring those things into your discussion. You can cause injury and heartache and pain that can last you forever. You might kiss and make up, but that's still going to be there for a long, long, long time. She'll remember it for 99 years. You'll remember it for 99 years. My wife and I pledged each other when we got married that we'd never do that kind of stuff. You're going to have times when we talk about things and see, sure, we're both different. I married her because she was different. Thought I was a pretty smart fella. There's sometimes she, she, she sees things and has that, that woman's intuition, that perception that I, I'm, I'm just lost. And there's times I have to trust her judgment on some things. You know, about what, what house to live in, what car to drive. And what... I'm having fun with y'all, you know. That. I, I, I'm glad I didn't marry one of these kind of women. I can do a certain king uh, which, had, which would take account of his servants. Matthew 18:23. And when he had begun to reckon, someday there's going to be a reckoning, ladies and gentlemen. One was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. I happen to have this particular Bible. It happens to be a King James. And in the back, it said that a talent, told me what a talent was worth. If that be sold, then that means the man owed him, uh, according to these calculations, a minimum of $262,800,000. Over a quarter of a billion dollars is what he owed him. Uh, But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence or the equivalent of fifteen dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. 
And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, so your heavenly Father, I'll do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. From your hearts. Not just words, but from your heart. But this is saying, church, after you have come down to an altar, and after you have repented of your sins, and God said, I forgive you your quarter of a billion dollar debt of sin. And we wash it away in baptism in the only name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved in the name of Jesus. And God desires to fill you with the Holy Ghost, and you speak with tongues just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Then you walk down the road forgiven. And somebody has offended you in a much less degree than you ever offended God. And you've got a problem with it and you want your pound of flesh. You want to see them punished. The Lord, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness that the Son of Man might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's here for a reason. This is not just a pretty story. He's trying to tell us, if you don't forgive your brothers and sisters, God's going to take your forgiveness and repossess it. And let you do without forgiveness a while. You won't forgive, go ahead. Be a loggerhead. This is not a laughing matter. Got to take his mercy back. Said, I'll be merciful to whom I'll be merciful. Give it to somebody else that wants mercy. If you're not... Merciful, according to this, you don't deserve God's mercy. And He'll find someplace else. If you don't, from your heart, smile and show your teeth. Lord, that was hard to do. From your heart. But I thank you for that, Mama. You probably say this, oh boy, in more ways you'll ever know because of what you put in here. I'm nothing but by the grace and mercies of God, I understand. Thank you for the foundation you put here praise God it's not worth it to keep this kind of mess happening in your life it's not worth it Romans 131 gives some of the signs of the last days it said without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection implacable you can't make some folks happy but the next word says unmerciful ladies and gentlemen being unmerciful is one of the signs of the last days do you see unmercifulness happening Oh, it's going to happen in churches. Oh, but I thought, I thought that the church was a place where that never would happen. Oh, grow up. Folks are folks wherever you go. You can move and go to Saskatchewan, Moose Jaw, and you're going to find folks being folks there too. You can go down the road, and I hope you don't, but I've traveled all over, and I want you to understand, folks, that people have problems everywhere. And you've got to solve it right here. And when you solve it here, then every, every place looks better. Home looks better. Your wife, your husband looks better. Your kids even look better. Your mom and dad looks better. Your mother-in-law looks good. 
I, I have a hard time relating to mother-in-law jokes because I have a world-class, wonderful mother-in-law, the best a man could ever have. And I, not, I have said that everywhere. This is not just pulpit talk. My mother-in-law loves me. Matter of fact, the girls get aggravated because the mother-in-law stands up for the sons-in-law first. You see how that works in the family. It's kind of hard to get the sons-in-law aggravated when the mother stands up for you quick. Well, moving right along. <clears throat> I was talking to a preacher this month. This preacher had some horses, some stock. And an arsonist came in and burnt down his barn and destroyed his horses. I'm talking about fast-gated horses, big bucks, expensive fifth-wheel trailers, hundreds of thousands of dollars damage. The police caught the young man that burned it all down. He did it out of spite to this pastor. When the trial came, this pastor went and stood there in the courtroom. And he stood up. He said, Your Honor, this man hates me. What he has done to show that. But I'm pleading with you. I'm the only one injured here. I'm pleading with you to be merciful to him. Could you find it in your heart, sir, to extend to this young man mercy and give him another chance? He's going to be in prison for 30 years if you're not kind to him. Would you do that for me? And the judge with tears in his eyes said that'll be a $100 fine. Case dismissed. Five years rolled around. That same preacher stood in that same courtroom with a son. They had a serious infraction with the law. The prosecutor wanted to send this preacher's son to prison for many, many years. It wasn't a violent crime. Marijuana, I don't know what it was. I don't want to speculate here. But they stood there. This preacher made no plea. He just stood there. But the judge remembered. When the prosecutor got done talking, the prosecutor said, Your Honor, excuse me, please. And the prosecutor left the courtroom. The judge leaned over the bench, and he looked down at the defense attorney. He said, Would you like to settle this today? He said, Yes, sir, Your Honor, I would pastor stood there holding his son's hand. The judge looked at that young man. He said, young man, your father was here when his horses were destroyed. And he begged for somebody else's mercy. And I never forgot that. He said, you don't deserve what I'm fixing to give you, son. But I'm going to let you go. I want you to remember, it's only because of mercy. That'll be $50 plus court cost. They cried. They hugged necks. They walked out of that courtroom in tears. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want you to know this mercy thing works. You never know when you cast your bread upon the waters when it's going to come back to you. But someday you may need mercy. You can criticize some young girl for falling into sin and shame and messing up her life. But you need to consider the fact someday you may have a daughter, a sister, a family member that you may need somebody to be charitable to. You may have a son that gets messed up. You may have a family member that makes a mistake. And you're going to want somebody to pray for them and be kind and hold their arms open in the church house and say, could you forgive my family? Could you forgive my children? I tell you what, just because you love your kids doesn't mean you approve of everything they do. You may hate the sin that they get involved in. You may hate how they embarrass themselves. 
Yes, would to God they could live some of their days over again, but that's not reality. we still got to live with what has happened. All we can do is be loving and be merciful and be kind one towards another. And you watch God give us revival. You watch God bless us. That brings unity. And when there's unity, there's revival. You don't have to pray for revival. Just pray for unity and God will send revival. Somebody praise the Lord here today. I feel like I've told this story here before. And if I have, I'm sorry. But it bears telling again. If no, just humor me. I heard Brother J.T. Pugh tell a story one time. The place that I was at about the church he was in as a young man. He said there was two major farm families in that little community near the, in eastern Louisiana near the Sabine River. And... These families, they walked together to church and certain times of year they rode in wagons together. When the plowing and planting season and harvest times, they let the horses rest. They, they, they walked. No lights, old roads, dark. So for fellowship and a little bit of safety, they all just walked together and talked. So it happened this one particular night coming home from church, they stopped at this one farmhouse and one of the young ladies, or one of the children of one family accused one of the people, sons of the other family, of impropriety. I don't know what it was, not really in my business. He declared he was innocent, that it never happened. The law got involved. He got arrested, went to trial, got accused, got not accused, he got sentenced, found guilty, sentenced to prison. He said, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. Nobody believes me. I, 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 I didn't do this, honestly. I, I didn't do this. I, but I, I can't let this get me down. I can't let this defeat me. I've got I to gotta live above this. I refuse to get bitter. I, I don't want to die bitter. And I, 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 so for years, he sat there in prison. The church got polarized, a little country church. One family sat on this side. Another family sat on that side. All that were sympathetic with this family sat over here. All that were sympathetic with that family, they sat over there. And so the folks on this side wouldn't talk to the folks on that side. We all got a little injury thing happened. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than secondary boycotts. Don't let your friends' enemies become your enemies too. <clears throat> Amen. Do you know the young man got out of prison? Oh, here, here's what happened. Prayer died in the church. Worship died in the church. Folks stopped getting the Holy Ghost. Revival died in the church. The altars were barren. Nobody got baptized. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. Several years going on now. They were just going through the formalities of having church. And, and this side over here, where they were just civil. That's all. Just civil to that side. That side was just civil to that side. And then the young man got out of prison. Came and he sat down on the front row. Tried to worship God. People wouldn't hire him in the community. They wouldn't give him a job. <clears throat> wouldn't talk to him. He was shunned by society. And he was trying his best to live it down, but three, two, three, four weeks rolled around, and one morning he woke up sick. He couldn't get out of bed. Mother had to come and feed him. Within just a few days, he was totally paralyzed, could not move. He stayed that way several months, could not move. He had to be spoon-fed. Here's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. 
they had eventually wound up building a little house back behind the house. He stayed there. Every mo the mother had to carry little trays of food out and feed him out there and made his own little place. He's, don't know what happened. People just said, oh, he's just putting on. He could get up and walk if he wanted to. He's just trying to get sympathy. But one night at church, one mother, I don't know what side it was, but one mother got up and she walked over to the mother on the other side. She said, could you find it in your heart to forgive me and my family? The other mother said, I've been waiting a long time to hear you say that. And the mamas fell on each other's necks and they started to cry and to weep. The daddies looked around and the daddies went to one another and they hugged and they shook hands and they cried and held each other. And children got up and they started going back. Finally, the church began to mingle both sides and they stood in the middle and they cried and they wept and they shouted. Several people got the Holy Ghost that night. The power of God fell down. That they went home shouting and rejoicing. The two families went home together. The next morning, the mom was standing there at the stove cooking her boy's breakfast, and she heard the screen door slam. Turned around, and there's her boy. He's standing up, dressed, shaved, walked in the house, completely healed and delivered. I want to tell you that bitterness will paralyze the church. Bitterness will paralyze you. It will damn every part of your world if you let it eat gnaw. And the quickest way to get victory and the quickest way to get deliverance from that is to go to your brothers and sisters and say, I need to fix something here today. I'm ashamed of how long I've let this go on. You know, we have a, 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 a propensity to do while the musicians are coming. We have a propensity to be like Judas there in the upper room where we say, uh, when they're having their last supper, is it me? Is it me? Listen. We know what we've been doing. We know whether or not we've got business that needs to be taken care of in our soul. Let's go pull a Judas today and say, I wonder if he's talking to me. I think we all need to come and stand around this altar today. And we need to lift our hearts and our hands to God. Maybe that we need to go brothers to brothers and sisters to sisters. And we need to talk to one another today and say, I want you to know I love you. And I pray to God that there's not been any stuff in our business, in our past. But if there is, I want you to know that I, I, I'm sorry. I want to make things. I want revival in my life. I want God's mercy in my soul. I want God's forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? It doesn't take much to say forgive me. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the touch of God I feel in this service. I don't know what you plan to do in our hearts today. But I pray that when we gather around this altar that you'll speak to our hearts. That you'll minister to us. Oh, God, that you'll help bridges to be built, the gaps to be patched up. I don't know what needs to happen here today, but you know, God. And I pray, God, that you'll fix our souls. We want your mercy. We can't make it without your forgiveness. So today, God, we're doing what your word says to do. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We're willing to say, I'm sorry. We're willing to say, forgive me. In the, in the advent, God, that you'll be merciful and forgiving to us. We need your mercy and your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah.
beg you. But we need to gather up today around the front. Let's talk to God. Shall we come on? Let God wash your soul. Hallelujah. God, you need the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need to be merciful. There's a connection to mercy, ladies and gentlemen. Mercy, there was great grace was true. there was multiplied to. the story of the Civil War back in the Virginia Hills the Union fighters were on one side of that valley on the other side were the Confederates on that northern side someone picked up a trumpet and started playing the northern battle song, John Brown's body lies molding in the clay. And they joined over there singing about John Brown's body. And after a while, over on the southern side, somebody picked up a banjo and started strumming Dixieland. They started singing it in defiance of the northern. But as the evening wore on and the quiet set in, Somebody picked up the old trumpet, started playing Home Sweet Home. Both sides got the vision. This battle could be over. We could go home. And on both sides of that valley, the southerners and the northerners started singing Home Sweet Home. Folks, if we keep our eyes on the city, 
we can forgive one another. We can join in one another, fellowship one another, have great, marvelous move of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, I'm not in this battle for this world. I'm not fighting against somebody across the valley. We're on the same side. And to me today, it's home, sweet home. Let's keep our eyes on the city. Let's lift our hands right now and ask God to let this message settle deep into our hearts in the very depths and recesses of our feeling. Thank you, Lord, for the love of God. We know what it was that lifted us. We know what it was that lifted us. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Lord, help me to love my brothers, my sisters. Lord, let me lift somebody else. Just like you picked me up with your love, let my love extend to them. Thank you, Lord. I think we ought to praise the Lord for this message. Can we lift our hands and just praise the Lord for this message today? Oh, what a landmark message we've heard. What a landmark message we've heard. May I tell you, you're going to face this message in judgment. If you don't cleanse your heart of grudges and bad feelings, God's going to say you had your chance back on uh, July the 25th, 1999. I sent a preacher your way to preach to you, and you refused to hear. Let's let this message have its perfect work in our hearts and our lives. Amen, amen. God bless you. It's wonderful, isn't it, to be in the house of the Lord today. We've got a great blessing in store for us tonight. I'm sure you're going to be blessed. Amen. You will just bow your heads together. I'm going to ask Brother Al Hammond. Brother Hammond, would you dismiss us in word of prayer? Everybody said amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Make our guests welcome. Brother Spell wants to make an announcement. Five o'clock.